Welcome to Passing Judgment, a podcast about politics, the law, a lot of things in between. And we have a lot of legal news today. Today is the day that we saw some of the affidavit that supported the search warrant that the FBI executed at the former president's residence, Mar-a-Lago. And there's no one better to talk about this than Hugo Lowell. He's a congressional reporter for The Guardian. He covers January 6th and the Trump investigations. He has, in short order, broken a number of high-profile stories on the January 6th Select Committee's investigation. His story about the former president, President Trump, calling the Willard Room to talk to his attorneys about stopping the certification of the 2020 presidential election won the 2022 National Press Club's Sandy Hume Memorial Award for Excellence in Political Journalism. I know for all our listeners, you've seen him frequently on national television, including regularly on MSNBC Today. Hugo, thank you for being here. Thank you for passing judgment with us. Thanks for having me. So let's dive right in. You've seen this 38-page heavily redacted affidavit that supports the search warrant that the FBI obtained in order to search the home of the former president at Mar-a-Lago. I'll ask you what I've been asked all morning. What's your biggest takeaway here? So the thing that stood out to me from an investigative perspective for the DOJ is the specific areas of Mar-a-Lago that were referenced in the affidavit. Things like Trump's personal residence, Pine Hall, and that's this kind of obscure area of Mar-a-Lago that is not particularly widely known. It's actually the foyer to his residence. It leads into Melania's bedroom and Donald's bedroom, the 45 office, and of course, the storage facility where a lot of these boxes of classified materials are being kept. I mean, to me, that suggested that the FBI has witnesses or confidential sources that are very close to the former president. To have that kind of access in Mar-a-Lago, to know where those rooms are, the kinds of documents lying around in those in those rooms, you would have to be extraordinarily close to Trump or at least be in his immediate vicinity. So I thought that was a very interesting element of that affidavit. So given that they were essentially able to pinpoint the location, you think this shows that there are people who are very f- close to the former president who are cooperating with law enforcement or providing them with information? In short, yeah. And the affidavit actually alluded to this a little bit. And it, you know, one of the, in, in kind of an ancillary legal memo that accompanied the affidavit, it said, you know, part of the reasons for redaction to the main document is because we're trying to protect civilian witnesses, you know, and the fact that the FBI has kind of interviewed, quote, a number of significant witnesses, civilian witnesses, is probably the thing that's going to stand out most to Trump and his team. Like, they have been looking around themselves, wondering if there are people in their midst who have been talking to the FBI. Uh, And I know for a fact that several of them have been talking to the FBI, but they just don't know who, and they don't know what level of information that they gave the FBI or kind of what the Justice Department is looking at next. And that's one thing that really, I think, freaks Trump out and really, you know, freaks out his close advisors. So I want to come back to the affidavit, but you just said something that I think is so fascinating, which is this will just, I think, exacerbate Trump's feeling that those around him and those close to him are speaking to law enforcement. Are there ways that you think this changes his behavior and or affects the investigation? It's a good question. I don't know. I think, you know, Trump and Melania are always very paranoid people anyway. 
So I don't know if that in particular will change the way they operate. I mean, the fact that they don't know who is talking to the FBI makes it very difficult, I think, to change your behavior. I mean, I guess it's possible that you try and take steps to obstruct the investigation if you are really worried, um, knowing full well, of course, that that in itself is a crime. And, you know, obstruction was one of the statutes listed on the affidavit and the search warrant. So uh, I think Trump has to tread very carefully here in what he does next. But I'm sure it will affect his thinking and his psyche to some degree. I mean, that's just the kind of person that he is. I mean, it's already affecting the people around him. I think his aides are are more cautious with uh, whom they're sharing information or kind of gossip. And same again with the lawyers who are uh, much more attuned to potential legal exposure for Trump than they were, uh, you know, just two weeks ago. I think that's right. So for people listening, let's zoom out for a second. Of course, I think people know that we're talking about the affidavit that supports the search warrant that allowed the FBI to go in, as we said, to Mar-a-Lago to search for these documents that I will say very generally speaking, certainly look like documents that the former president should not have had and really should not have retained in that fashion at a private residence. Now, I want to step back for a minute and talk about what we learned from the affidavit in terms of leading up to getting the search warrant. The former president have said, why didn't they just ask me for it? I would have turned over this information. I think the affidavit, the search warrant itself, really belies that point. Could you briefly walk people through what the affidavit provides us with in terms of what led up to the point of going to a magistrate judge and saying, okay, we need the search warrant? Yeah, I think a lot, you know, a lot of this has already been reported, but it's it's always good to see it in black and white from the DOJ itself. And, you know, the DOJ really quite clearly lays out this timeline starting really late last year in 2021 when Trump finally told the National Archives, you know, I have some documents responsive to your requests uh, to get, you know, sensitive government secrets back and, you know, I'm prepared to send over boxes. But this didn't really happen until later in 2022. And then when the FBI gets involved, this is because the National Archives identifies certain documents kind of mixed into these boxes, you know, certain documents with classification markings. And the FBI's review turns up about 184 unique documents that are marked classified, including I think it was 25 that are top secret and countless other documents that have varying degrees of sensitivity acronyms on them, like um, no fawn, which is short for not for dissemination to non-US nationals, for instance. And so I think the FBI was very alarmed by this. And that was the prelude to a grand jury subpoena being issued to the Trump Organization for surveillance footage at Mar-a-Lago um, outside this sort of storage facility where he was keeping these documents. And you know, according to reporting in, in, in the Times, at least, the surveillance footage showed people going in and out of the storage facility where these classified documents were being kept. And so, you know, that prompts a request from the Justice Department, and this is in the affidavit, for the Trump team to kind of secure that location and preserve it in its current form. Now, that to me suggests, you know, that sort of language, you know, preserving in current form suggests to me that there was maybe already an investigation opened into obstruction or, you know, the mishandling of government records. And after some documents are turned over in June, it sounds like the FBI and the Justice Department still suspected that despite these subpoenas and these requests for these records to be turned back, Trump was still holding on to a, a number of documents. And of course, 
when the FBI went in two weeks ago, they did remove around you know, 26 boxes worth of classified information. So that's really helpful background. And my top of the line in terms of thinking about it has basically been that law enforcement decided they needed this information, one, because it's really important. It it involves national security. It involves, as we saw today, human intelligence. And two, because it wasn't being handed over. So it wasn't simply that the former president took some documents that he shouldn't have taken, but maybe no harm, no foul. It was that these are documents that were apparently, you know, mixed in with razors and golf balls and whatever else that really could threaten the security of certain people who work for the government and the country as a whole. Is that a fair summary of, you think, what we see leading up here? There was clearly a determination inside the Justice Department by what's in the affidavit that Trump had a track record of keeping documents that he wasn't authorized to do so. And he also had a track record of keeping documents that were particularly sensitive. I mean, this stuff about HCS, you know, these these kind of confidential human sources, these SI documents, special intelligence, these are the kinds of documents that if they fall into the wrong hands, and we know that Mar-a-Lago was a hub for a number of kind of foreign agents or, you know, people working for foreign governments trying to get access to Trump and his kind of inner political circle, if it fell into the wrong hands, could compromise the identities of clandestine sources, could compromise sources and methods used by uh, the US intelligence community. And clearly there was a determination that these documents really needed to be retrieved by the government as soon as they could. I will say, and I Hugo, I'd love your opinion on this. It feels to me like in every step of the way, from the moment that the former president said, there's an FBI team, they're raiding my home, to when he said, there's nothing there, this is just a political witch hunt, that every step along the way, he's forcing more information to come out. He's forcing the attorney general, Merrick Garland, to say, okay, here's the search warrant. Then he's out of court, not in court, saying, well, let's see the supporting documents. The media companies sue, and now we see some of the supporting documents, some of the affidavit. And based on what you just said, and based on the reporting, it seems to me that every time we learn more, it looks slightly worse for the former president. I'd love your opinion on, is that true, or am I missing something that is exculpatory here? Am I missing a roadmap for his defense here? No, I think that's right. I think every time he weighs in and the government responds, it gets worse and worse for him. And not least because he keeps commenting and he keeps kind of inserting himself into this. We get this drip, drip, drip of information that can only be damaging to him. I spoke to a couple of people in Trump world after the affidavit was unsealed, you know, partially. I mean, their takeaway today was, look, this is nothing particularly new. It's already been reported that classified materials were removed they kind of seem to dismiss it a little bit and, you know, and to say you know, this this wasn't any more damaging than we had anticipated. And in fact, there's nothing particularly new in there. I, I would disagree. And I think there have been you know slivers of new information that have come out. And I thought it was interesting that the Justice Department had a real opportunity to debunk some of the claims that Trump world has been making. And they actually very quietly did so in, in some respects. Like one of these points was, Trump world allies have been going on about how you know they were surprised that DOJ thought the documents were not secure because, well, 
DOJ had asked, you know, supposedly asked them to put a quote unquote stronger lock on the door to the storage facility. There's no mention of a stronger lock in the affidavit. In fact, what it says is, you know, secure the premises in its current condition because Mar-a-Lago is just not a place where you can keep classified documents, period. And so that defense is out the window. I mean, there's a thing about executive privilege again. It sounds like the, or the affidavit explicitly says the FBI went in with privilege teams to go and separate and filter out documents in real time when they were conducting the search, filter out materials that were privileged so that would, they wouldn't be taken away uh, when the FBI left. So I think various points of his defense are getting undercut. And uh, I don't really see anything that's exculpatory here. Can we focus for a moment on that claim of executive privilege that the former president has made? And again, his defense to me seems to be, you know, ever changing, never twice the same, just throwing a bunch of things at the wall to see if anything might stick, at least politically, if not legally. Could you highlight for a minute how his claim that some of these documents could be subject to executive privilege, how that really has been debunked here? Uh, well, so his whole thing is the government, and, it, and it's all very twisted, and so it's difficult to understand to some degree, but his argument is some of the documents that were removed or seized from Mar-a-Lago were documents created, is the term, right, created while he was in office and simply taken with him to Mar-a-Lago. But because they were created when he was president, they are all subject to executive privilege, and there is such thing as an executive privilege protection. That means the government can't review those documents because they're protected. I think several points. First of all, the very fact that he's acknowledging that there are documents in there that are privileged or kind of subject to executive privilege seems to suggest that they are by definition government records. And so right. he's not supposed to have them. They're supposed to be at the National Archives. So that in and of itself appears to be almost like a concession. And I did a story on this a couple of days ago that it almost seems to be a concession from Trump that he was not supposed to hang on to these records. That doesn't mean I don't think that he can't file a motion. You know, he recently filed a motion to have the court appoint a special master to go through the, the documents. I think, you know, he's within his right to do that. The argument there is basically, look, the government might want to use some of these documents in a potential prosecution or as evidence, but because they represent kind of you know, privileged materials, they should be filtered out. But it sounds like the FBI has already done that in real time. So whether or not there's any executive privilege documents left, I think is kind of in suspect in question as well. I think it's a very difficult argument for him to advance. I think it's very confused. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think actually Trump's own lawyers really understood it Anyway, because I, you know, I spoke to you know, a couple of people close to Trump after that special master motion was filed, and they their real blanket response was, "Look, we just don't know what was taken. We're trying to find out more." Like they really don't have very much idea about anything, and so I think this was an attempt, as you say, to throw a lot of things at the wall and see what stuck or you know what might be shaken loose. I want to talk to you a little bit more about this motion regarding the special master where former president filed a motion, not in Florida, not in the same court where we're having this discussion about how much of the affidavit to unseal. But in a separate suit, he files a motion and says, I want a special master basically to go through and put documents in one pile that can be used in the investigation and in another pile that cannot be used in the investigation. And there were a ton of problems with this suit, as you alluded to in your reporting, that 
seems like the lawyers, I'm putting my opinion on this, but it seems like the lawyers weren't really sure what the theory was here. The judge, a Trump appointee, basically sent the suit back and said, can you tell me what you're really asking here? Hugo, if you could, could you flesh out the details of what were the problems with that motion and what's the judge asking for? I mean, I hear the judge saying, tell me what your theory is. And and it's not at all clear to me that it isn't too late for all of this. Well, it may be too late. And it may be the case that the Justice Department has already gone through all of the documents and seen everything. I think this suit originated because, or, or mainly because, Christina Bob, one of Trump's lawyers, went on Fox News and Laura Ingraham on her show kind of criticized the Trump legal team for not having made any sort of formal legal filing when it came to the affidavit and saying, look, you completely missed an opportunity to have more or less in the affidavit redacted or unredacted, but you didn't file a motion, you didn't make any sort of formal legal action, and so you're off the docket now. You know, are you guys stupid or what? And that filtered back to Trump, and Trump was pretty displeased by that and I think really pushed or kind of complained that his lawyers weren't fighting or pushing back against the DOJ uh, hard enough on his behalf. And so what you got was this kind of this discussion about, oh, maybe we should do a filing now. You know, it was about 24 hours after Laura Ingraham um, kind of castigated Christina Bob. So that was really the impetus for this filing. And so I think that was part of the reason why it's all so confused. So I think that's really helpful. That's been my theory, which is that this feels to me like a political argument that is dressed up in legal papers that Trump said we have to respond because let's remember, despite what he said outside of the courtroom, that when it came to this motion to unseal the affidavit, he didn't join. It was the media organizations. And I know we could spend a lot more time talking about this particular suit, but I want to come back, I think, to the big news of the day, which is this the affidavit and what else we learned. And we know that there are three federal statutes that are at issue here. It's obstruction of justice, the Espionage Act, and this general statute dealing with basically the unlawful retention of government documents. I'm wondering, Hugo, if you could talk to us a little bit about, did we learn anything new regarding evidence supporting the fact that there was apparently probable cause to believe that there's evidence that those crimes were committed at Mar-a-Lago? I think not beyond a really general sense. I thought it was interesting that the the affidavit specifically mentioned the obstruction uh, side of things. You know, that's one element of the investigation that really no one has really been able to report on. There's been not very much information in the public domain about that. Certainly Trump's lawyers, the one thing they are really kind of concerned about is this obstruction statute. I think they look at the retention of government records and they think, oh, well, you know, there's no enforcement mechanism in the Presidential Records Act. You know, he can claim a whole bunch of things for this. There's a whole bunch of defenses for it. But when it starts to get into obstruction and kind of how Trump made the DOJ jump through all these hoops to get anywhere close to the documents that he was stashing at Mar-a-Lago, that's where the real concern is. You know, I think some of the the other things that came up in the affidavit that were interesting uh, was this discussion that the classification was irrelevant. Um, There was a footnote in the affidavit that said, um, you know, whether materials are classified or declassified doesn't matter for the Espionage Act or kind of, you know, the other statutes concerning kind of the removal or retention of kind of official government documents. It's all about the content of the document, right? It's about whether the 
unlawful retention of this information related to the national defense could harm the United States or aid an adversary, regardless of whether it was classified or declassified. And that comes in part because the statutes were written at a time before the U.S. had these classifications, like whether it was top secret or secret compartmental information. And so I think he has a real uphill struggle there. And the fact that he doesn't really have a defense for holding on to these really sensitive documents speaks to why the government listed those three specific statutes, both in the affidavit and the search warrant. Yeah, I wrote a short piece for MSNBC about how if he in fact did declassify, which is a big if, by the letter of these statutes, by the text of the statutes, it doesn't undermine a claim that you could violate them. And as you said, the Espionage Act, that originated in 1917. Now, yes, of course, it has been changed. Uh, The language has been changed, but it's prior to our current classification framework. And it does, I think, highlight the lack of defense that we keep seeing from the former president. But I want to ask something slightly different, which is not what's his reason for why this is okay, but do we have any idea why those documents were there in the first place? Uh, I think that is the, the, the crux of all of this writing, and it kind of speaks to what his intentions were with these documents. And, you know, would he, was he holding on to these documents because he thought they were like mementos uh, and you know, aspects of his presidency that he thought he was entitled to keep? Or was there a more sinister reason? And you know, that might be a question that can only be answered by Trump. You know, certainly Evan Corker and his lawyer said in one of the correspondence between him and the Justice Department, which was actually included in the affidavit today, that Trump did not knowingly remove classified documents to Mar-a-Lago. And that seemed almost like Corcoran starting to construct a potential legal defense here because he could see the problem that was arising from this. But I think the short answer is no. We We actually don't have any idea about why Trump wanted to hold on to these documents and let's say, you know, at least some of the documents were because he wanted kind of souvenirs from his time in the White House. Well, you're not holding on to top secret, secret compartmented intelligence because they're souvenirs. Or if you are, that's a very serious and dangerous practice to be engaged in. I really don't know is the bottom line. This brings us to the question of how will we ever know? And it seems to me maybe only, and there's a big maybe, only if there's a trial. And now I'm going to ask you the totally unfair question that I've been asked. What are the chances that you think we see an indictment not based on all of the other potential legal exposure that I love to talk to you about, the January 6th committee, the Department of Justice investigation into the election, what's happening in Georgia, what's happening in New York. But in this case, what do we think the chances are that we go from probable cause to obtain a search warrant to, yes, we think that we can prove beyond a reasonable doubt that these federal statutes were violated and here's your indictment, Mr. Trump? That is a very unfair question. So I'm yes. going to I'm going to answer this in a way that I think is is maybe more interesting, which is Trump's legal team seems to think the obstruction side of the investigation into kind of the mishandling of government documents in this case represents the most perilous legal moment for the former president to date. They've always laughed off things like, you know, January 6th, 
they really don't think the Georgia special grand jury investigation into election interference there is particularly potent. They think, you know, even if Fannie Willis, the district attorney there, was to indict him and even to convict him, there is no way that on appeal that wouldn't be overturned because the idea that you could have like a locally elected, openly Democrat district attorney indict a former president or convict a former president, they just don't see it happening. The one thing they are worried about, though, is this mishandling of documents because it's so cut and dried. It's so straightforward. You know, were you authorized to have these documents? No. Were you impeding an investigation? Potentially. And those things, I think, feature or loom very large in their assessment about all the legal exposure that Trump's currently facing. Hugo Lowell, that was a very fair answer to a very unfair question. So I want to thank you so much for your time. For everybody listening, if you aren't already following him on Twitter, you can follow Hugo at Hugo Lowell. That's L-O-W-E-L-L. You can see him on MSNBC, as I said, all the time. Read his pieces in The Guardian and elsewhere. Hugo, thank you so much for your time and for passing judgment with us. Thank you so much. This was really fun. So for all our listeners, please continue to subscribe, rate, review. You can find me all across social media at Levinson Jessica. And we're happy to bring these breaking news episodes to you. We wish everybody a great day. Mm